years of tripping on time. Be there! Scour the spaceways! Explore vast alien worlds! The tin right here contains the whole rigmarole. I used to smoke about an ounce of hash every day. Good. And it made me go a little bonkers. Maybe. If I occupy his mind with more duties, I can control his space. Hi. Big fat Hi. doobies. Hi. 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 <laughs> Sunday, April 10th, 2011, episode 73 of The Hotbox. My name is Matt, and this is Sandy. Hello, Sandy. Hello. How are you doing? I am good. How are you? I'm well. We're live from the Garden City Cannabis Expo in Missoula, Montana. We've been broadcasting the whole thing, hotboxpodcast.com slash live. Uh, You guys can watch that, and we got lots of good interview footage, lots of good audio footage. We'll be making videos and podcasts once we get back. Um, What's going on here? This is a... uh, a big expo. We're in the University of Montana at the ballroom. Yes, we are. We're at the Garden City Expo here. It's in the University Ballroom. We've got quite a few different vendors. Um, if you guys have been watching the live feed that we've been trying to do throughout yesterday and Yeah, today. and I'll take a little live feed around to all the vendors just on my phone yeah, or something and let them say a, a few words. There's a lot of different people. I mean, we've got advocate groups. We've got... And actually, if you're watching on the live feed, you guys have probably seen it as we've turned the cameras around. There's, you know, Montana Normal. Fire in the Bowl, Patients at a Time, Cannab Analysis Lab, Northwest Fire. There's, there's just a ton of places. Ooh, Montana while, Botanical Analysis. While we're speaking of the other vendors that are here, I... Oh, look. KCFW just walked in. Okay, anyways. I would like to point out... How one, many times will he drop his camera? I don't know. That well, was it was so a, awesome. the microphone. I would like to point out very quickly, and we'll actually do a little bit more in-depth on this in our next show when we can get a little bit closer to the cameras and be in our comfort zone. This is a Helix pipe, and I'm excited to try this. I haven't tried one before, and these are out of Texas, actually. They're available from Big Sky Medical Glassworks. Honestly, can I I say something honest real quick? Kind of reminds me of a belt up. Just saying. Maybe you can pack that. I do like it, though. It's a cool piece of glass. Yeah. And we're going to start doing reviews on this kind of stuff. Yes, we um, are. They have pieces that you can take this piece. It's not this one. This is just the solid piece, but they have transformer pipes, and I don't know if that's the there, geek in me. It's four pieces, and you can take the end off where we have the spoon right now. This is one of their spoon pieces. You can actually take this part off on the other ones. Not and, on ours, but... Right, yeah. and you can put They're in all modular. They're glass on glass, and you can put different pieces in there to make it a different kind of a smoking utensil. And it's a really good idea, actually. And for the price, amazing, I think, for how intricate it is. So, like I said, you can get these from Big Sky Medical Glassworks. They also have these, um, the little one-hitter sticks, which are really, really great. And... Um, you can actually contact them. The email is ewolson, E-W-O-L-O-S-O-N, at gmail.com. Or just get a hold of us, info at hotboxpodcast.com. We'll pass on the message. Yes, and there's also a number really quick. Let me throw in um, 832-683-9000. 
And nice. that is the Helix pipe, and I am very excited. It's cool. You can turn it into a bubbler or a straight-through or a, a steamroller or just a regular pipe, and yeah. they all come apart. That's right. really neat. And they also have these little pieces that look like mini ones, right? And they're like one-hitters, but you can put a joint down in the end of it and smoke off of it. And I've heard what they were telling me was that it's actually a really lot smoother smoke. It's like having a filter on the joint. Right. And then another another vendor we I talked to, they sell these. This is just a free sample. Hempwick. But it's a hempwick. I've never seen that. So instead of lighting your pot with a lighter and you're sucking in all that butane, you light this and then you use this to light your pot and it's all natural. It's totally organic. So if you're a hippie man and you don't want to use lighters because butane is bad, this is how you're going to light your bowls. But they're uh, from Fire in the Bowl where there's smoke, there's fire, 100% Montana beeswax and organic European hemp. Good stuff. Taste your meds, not your lighter. Yes. I'm sick of tasting your lighter. Have you ever smoked with a Zippo? I'm sick of tasting your lighter. So I'm really happy with all the different people that we've had a chance to meet and talk to. Yeah, definitely good networking experience. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And we have had a lot, we've talked to a lot of different people that we've videotaped. You know, and so we'll be able to get those out there for everybody to see. Chris Lindsay, John Masterson, Ed Doctor, um, Rose Habib. Yep, Dr. Noel. I love her. Can I just say I love Rose She's really so quick? Awesome. We both love Rose. <laughs> and so we there was the, the Montana Normal thing, and I just want to mention this because I actually got a reply. This is the drug policy um, dot org email the action blast, alerts. right? Yeah, yeah, so you can go there, you put in your name and stuff, and you can type a little message. Oh, you might hear some senators talk over us. Is so it, is it hard to can, hear us with it playing really quick? Can, can anybody tell us that? I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm done caring about this. You can send a thing, and it goes to everyone in your thing. So basically, I sent an email. I said, please don't be silly. You know repeal is not the answer. You know strict overregulation is not the answer. It only furthers to drive the black market. You have to let this industry grow. And then I said, hey, come to the U of M Sunday and hear Senator David Wansonry speak because, hey, He's doing good stuff. He wrote me back. He says, Dear Mr. Lee, which I like that. <laughs> Mr. Lee, respect. you don't That's get good. called that very often. No, I don't. You may already know this, but wanted to make sure you have the latest information. SB 423 has just passed out of appropriations and is scheduled to be voted on by the House on 411. Gee, thanks. This bill is designed as a compromise so that medical marijuana users that need medical marijuana can continue to use it, but with restrictions that will decrease misuse. Currently, 30,000 cardholders in Montana. Two-thirds of what is grown is sold on the black market already. Proof, please. Proof, please. Evidence? I'm pretty sure that's false. Uh, Organized crime is already involved, or at least getting a foothold. Proof, please. Pretty sure you made that up also. I'm pretty sure they called Milburn out on the whole Armenian Mafia thing at the Senate hearing. That was debunked as complete bullshit. He says, we're trying to make this work without completely repealing the current law. There are some amendments being proposed, but I haven't seen them yet. Having a lot of years in emergency medicine, I have seen the effects of marijuana, narcotics, and misuse of prescriptive drugs. Prescriptive? Anyway. Well, I don't... He's, he's seen the effects of those, but he's seen the effects of people ingesting them, not the drug itself. Right. So... SP, he says, uh, I don't advocate for any of these, nor do I believe 
that we should ignore a citizen initiative. So that's good, I guess. Yeah. But he says SB 432 may be our best option this session to put sideboards on the initiative so that we begin to get a handle on doing this correctly. I'm not a marijuana user, so I'm listening closely to the testimony so that my vote is aimed at the best option for the Montana people who need this for medical relief. Thanks for writing me, Randy Brodel, House District 7. And how did he vote? I'm assuming he probably voted for repeal and 423, as many of them did. He says 423 may be our best option. Yeah, that's not an option at all. It can't be an option at all. The fact that it's made it this far is just... From fear and people not listening to logic. I mean, when we have actual scientists that go up there and explain to them exactly the effects of marijuana and how it's not dangerous and all of that, they actually go up to our Senate and talk to the legislator about that. And they completely and totally ignore these people who have gone to school for this. How 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 long have the senators been in school for this kind of thing where they can make a judgment call like that. How many of them are doctors? Uh, none, I'm going to guess. How many of them are scientists? Um, none, I'm going to guess. How many of them have tried pot? Probably <laughs> one or two. I would think it'd probably be a few more than I'm going to say a lot more, but how many will admit it? One or two. Exactly, <laughs> one or two. Why? So, ah. it's, it's despicable, and... Like we've we've talked about in these interviews with the scientists and with the doctors, the proof is on our side. They're just choosing not to listen to it, and that's disgusting. Yeah, it is. So um, it looks like Wanzen Reed is in the building now. He's standing right there. Yeah. And then his testimony is actually getting played. That's what you probably hear in the background. background, Yeah, they Um, won't hear it in the podcast, hopefully. But yeah, and kind of a rude move, but whatever. We will be. um, We're going to videotape Wands and Reed speaking, right? Yeah. And Wands and Reed, if anybody remembers, we talked about him a few episodes ago. He testified on the Hill on behalf of us. I mean, he is... He's on our side, He's on our side. And he actually called out senators who knew about the raids before they happened. I mean, he is really trying to make sure that it's there. I mean, he's trying to help Montana, and that's a big, big, important step, definitely. And so, Wanzen Reed, I'm, I'm happy he's here. I don't think you could get any other politicians at a cannabis expo speaking to a group of, you know, their constituents. I probably said that word wrong. Sorry. That's fine. <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't think you would see many politicians in a situation like this willing to speak to a group of people, especially that are pro-marijuana, um, usually if they Even do being that, seen. Yeah, usually if they do that, it's because they're trying to downplay everybody. They want them in their place, and they want to remind us that they're thinking in our best interests. But Wanzerine, he will hopefully be running for governor in 2012, so we will have the opportunity to hopefully get a governor in office who will actually support us and help us move forward in this industry and do something. Right, and I, I have had a lot of questions where Montana is right now. We're still waiting. Uh, there's an article that came out in Business Week that says a House committee made sweeping changes to the Senate proposal to overhaul Montana's medical marijuana law Wednesday, tightening the measure even further, and that's the 423 bill that we've been talking about, uh, repeal with wrapping paper, as Jimmy so elegantly put it. 
Uh, this one is sponsored by Senate Majority Leader Jeff Essman. Republican Billings aims to reduce the number of medical marijuana users and sellers in the booming industry from 30,000 down to under 2,000, which is completely ridiculous. Uh, the House took Essman's tight regulation measure and turned it into an almost an entirely different bill, going to lengths to have the tightest control over the marijuana industry without doing away with the drug altogether, because obviously you will never, ever be able to do that. Uh, analysis estimate that Essman's bill may reduce the number of legal marijuana users from more than 28,000 to fewer than two, of course, 2,000. Uh, Republican representatives say the new regulations are the next best thing in case Governor Brian Schweitzer doesn't sign the bill lawmakers passed last week that would repeal the 04 voter-approved law. Uh, quote, I want it regulated down to the furthest point, and this does that. That's Human Services Committee Chairman David Howard, a former FBI agent who has been vocal advocate of full repeal. Uh, the measure cleared the committee on a 12 to 3 vote after the bill received a hearing. The bill will now head to the House. So we're all pretty much effed. Hopefully, uh, we can pull this together and make these people realize that. Repeal isn't the answer. Overregulation isn't the answer. Legalization is the answer. Get a clue, pull your head out of your ass, and let's make something right happen. All right, well, I guess we're done with our show, so thanks for joining us. Email info at hotboxpodcast.com, and we'll see you guys when we get back. Peace out. If you like, you like, we where where you need to be. If you like weed, this is where you need to be. Thank you for listening to the Hotbox Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Hotbox Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Hotbox Podcast. Hotboxpodcast.com Hi there. Sandy here with the Hot Box, and I am here with John Masterson of Montana Normal. I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to him so we can get some really good information. As you said, I'm John Masterson with Montana Normal, and um, Normal, of course, stands for the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. And we've uh, the, the national organization has been working for about 40 years now to try to remove the threat of arrest and make marijuana legal for all responsible adults. Uh, Montana Normal, I started in 1998. So I've been at this for a while. It's uh, 13 years now. Um, what we've been doing during this um, relatively tragic legislative session in which um, many good ideas were presented and many good facts were presented and uh, ignored in favor of um, hysteria, lunacy, bigotry, and hypocrisy, um, we've, um, what we've been doing mostly is... Uh, is getting information to people, uh, citizens, constituents, cannabis consumers, um, about what they can do. Um, that has mostly consisted of uh, contacting um, uh, le- uh, legislative bodies, um, such as the House and the Senate and the various committees that, that, uh, that, that are deciding on these bills. Um, to date, we've, uh, the site that we built, MontanaDrugPolicy.org, uh, has generated, um, we're approaching half a million emails that have been uh, generated through, through that website. Um, and, uh, and that number only makes sense when you realize that when one person submits an email, uh, an email on that site to the full House and Senate, that, go, that, that creates 150 emails. And so you get a few thousand people doing that, and that's a whole lot of email. And in fact, the, um, on the floor of the House, 
there was uh, even a comment made at the beginning of the floor debate on HB 161, which is the, um, the repeal bill. Um, they were sort of joking about, so how's your email doing? How's your inbox? Because they were all drowning in a flood of our people's email. And so, and, and that, I mean, in the, in the modern age, in the internet age, that's a, a, a huge tool we have at our disposal um, in order to uh, get our messages to elected officials quickly. Um, the other thing that we've, we've uh, been doing and have been doing for years now is um, answering questions from people out in the world, whether they are patients trying to find a caregiver or whether they are just a cannabis consumer who's gotten busted or a patient who's uh, been busted for having um, you know, one too many plants, which is absurd and should not be a crime, of course. Um, looking forward, um, what we're... Um, hoping to do is assist in a legalization initiative in 2012. Um, the details are still totally foggy on that. We're talking to a lot of people. A lot of different people want to do initiatives in 2012. Um, right now, I'm, I'm advising all of them to at least get in touch with me. Tell me about your ideas. Don't move forward too far too fast because uh, what, I, what I consider sort of a nightmare scenario is 2012 comes along, we've got four different cannabis initiatives that all do different things, and they're all trying to sort of trash talk each other, and my model is best, and my, we, we've got to figure out a way to unify on this because we've got the people, we've got the votes. Um, as long as people get registered to vote and, and, and actually do vote, um, then we can do good things. Right. Thank you. And that's one thing we've really been trying to get through on our show, too, is registering to vote now so that when the time comes, everybody can take that step. So I think they're going to start talking over us so we can cut it short a little bit. But I definitely want to try to meet up again with you tomorrow, if possible, just to kind of go over maybe a couple more things. Um, now, real quick, how can people get a hold of you if they want more information on Montana Normal? The best ways to get in touch with us uh, would be through our website at montananormal.org, and there's no A in normal, um, or of course on Facebook, uh, just search for Montana Normal and, uh, and you'll find us. Uh, what do you think about the fragmentation with all of these different bills? Is it better to consolidate and have one bill that everyone can vote on? Because it seems like we're splitting votes here, and that, that, that's going to split the whole industry market, whatever you want to call it. Is that, do we want one bill or do we need a, a whole bunch of, uh, of random ones? It, I guess both. Does it, I mean, one is us voting, one is them voting, basically. So I guess what we would want is one for them and one for us, and theirs is worded differently because they don't understand logical words like we do. So Well, um, in the legislature right now, um, we, we're basically down to one bill. We're down to SB 423. Um, and by the time your uh, listeners uh, get this, um, it, it may be it may decided be already. Yeah. Um, as far as the initiative, um, in my mind, um, we should all these different uh, groups that are working on cannabis issues should identify some core principles, sort of write a constitution um, together. Together. Right. Uh, and and I think something that we could all rally behind is that no one should go to jail for pot. Right. And Break it down to the core principles right, of what right, everyone right. Because that, everyone's going to have a different idea about, um, about this should be taxed or that should be taxed or medical should be separate or not separate. But if we can just agree on some basics, like no one should go to jail for pot, um, then I, I think that, that's that, that sort of foundation is what we need to unify the movement. Right, bottom up. Thank you, John. We appreciate your time, for sure. 
Hello, hello, Sandy from the Hot Box here at the Garden City Cannabis Expo in Missoula at the University of Montana, and I am here with Mr. Ed Doctor. I'm sure we all remember him, and now I'm going to let him speak, hopefully a little quietly, <laughs> about his passion in our industry. Speak about the passion? <laughs> Just talk about what you do and what you want to do. Well, I think, um, I don't know, I guess everything that comes on my plate, I have a hard time saying no, <laughs> you know, because everything seems to help this industry. Everything that everything i mean i think any organization any job any way to make friends or money it's all possible in this it uh, takes a lot of traveling though you know but whatever my address is montana now (laughs) that's about it but uh but it's a great cause we finally got some politicians on our side and we're uh i think we're making a difference you know we'll see where it goes from here boy it's gonna be it's gonna be odd we got a we're going to have two of the weirdest weeks of our life. We've been saying that every two weeks, every day, every minute it changes. You know, you get different information all the time. It's unbelievable. This is pretty pretty fun time being down here. I wish we had more people, but I don't think it really matters. We're, you know, we've gotten some good news coverage out of it. we got the senator speaking today, and I think people will come for that. I wish... Uh, you know, I've, I just got an idea. I think we need to alert the Democratic Party in Missoula that he's coming. <laughs> so maybe we, uh, maybe I should do that. Yeah, that's definitely a good idea. See what they think. Yeah. Um, oh, I wanted to. I'm going to promote too. I don't want to forget. Kushcon Three is going to be uh, Labor Day weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah, I want to remember that. Denver again. Uh It should be a pretty good time, really. Um, I'll bet bet it's twice as big as the last show. Do they have a venue yet? Yeah, the convention center. Colorado Convention Center again. Yeah, definitely. Do you know what date exactly? I don't know. I'm going to assume Saturday, Sunday, Monday of Labor Day weekend. Okay. I really don't know yet. We don't have a lot of the details worked out, but it's getting there. You know, it's almost impossible, I would say. I would say that. I would say that. I mean, it, it's really hard to say that, you know what, it doesn't matter. But Jesus Christ, it doesn't seem to matter. We'll throw 90 people with statistics their way, and they still pass repeal. And they got 28 people that make no sense at all. I mean, they really don't. They talk about how it's hurting children. Well, I, I don't see that. How it's hurting our communities. I don't see that. How it's, you know, it's as dangerous as heroin. I don't see that. Where we need to spend money on our drug, on a marijuana war instead of the meth war. I don't see the sense in that. I mean, this is exactly how they feel. It is, it's... I don't know. These people want to go backwards. And uh, that's unfortunate because plenty of these people are, you know, funded by the Tavern Association. And the Tavern Association is a pretty strong association. You know, you obviously you can see there's taverns everywhere. It's widely accepted. People beating the shit out of themselves and killing each other is widely accepted. And people smoking marijuana and helping themselves is... It's a crime to these people. It is an absolute crime, and I just laugh in their face. I laugh in their face because they have no clue. They have no idea what this is about, and they don't want to know, and that's the problem. You can force it down their throats, and they're still not going to listen. 
they want nothing to do with it. Do you think one of the biggest problems then is the fact that a lot of our politicians are only listening to the people that have the same views as them and the same, you know, morals and ethics? And yeah, you know, yeah. Gets cast aside. They do. Even people in their own party. Even I've seen them cast aside people in their own party, and that is detrimental to the. What, that is going to be detrimental to 2012. We're not going to let anybody forget what these people have said. Nothing. I'm going to press my ass off for the next year and a half and make sure everybody knows. This is what's up. These are the people. Are there any specific politicians people should start contacting who either really, really harmed? I mean, outside of the obvious, Milburn, Knox, and Seth. Essman, Peterson, um, Walker. Um, boy, I tell you what, every Republican but Terry Murphy. Every single one. I mean, and the thing is, I know half of them have smoked pot. I know people they grew up with that they smoked pot with. And they just turn the cold shoulder. They don't acknowledge it. They don't admit it. It is unbelievable bullshit. It really is. I mean, to know that, you know, some of these senators and representatives have smoked marijuana. They smoked it with a lot of people that I know, a lot of people that Montanans know. And just to turn the blind eye and try to, you know, I mean, alienate their friends. And they have. And, I mean, if, if all of us stick together and don't let anybody forget that this happened, that what's going on in this legislative session, if we don't let anybody forget, I think the next session and the next election will be entirely different. I think it'll be our home field. I, I really think we can turn it into our advantage. So you think we also need a new Speaker of the House, obviously, because Milburn is the Speaker of the House, right? Oh, yeah. And he has a lot of issues with marijuana, so he's not going to let anything happen. No. We need, to, we need the Democrats to win the House back. We just need that. We really need that. There's some good Democrats out there that could be the Speaker. Um, a lot of them, um, and you know, I, I think it's I think it's pretty obtainable. I mean, some people say, "Boy, that's a long shot," but look at what they've done. Look at what they've really done. Look at the, what they propose. These laws are wasting so much time and money, so much time and money on spear hunting, hunting with a silencer, taking Obama's name off the ballot, putting a nuclear reactor in a flathead, which is so stupid. Um, and, uh, making the superintendent of schools for Montana making a law that makes it so he doesn't have to have an education at all, kind of odd stuff, you know. I mean, I think as long as we keep pushing this down people's throats, really, just keep throwing it out there, letting people not forget who these people are and what they've said. I mean, Representative Walker from Billy said, sometimes the voters get it wrong, and this is a case where they got it wrong. Well, you know what, man? They think we've never gotten wrong in the past. It's never happened. And now they want to overturn the and the, the cyanide mining. That's they they passed that through the house. That was a voter initiative that got overwhelming favor. And now, I mean, it's I don't know. It's a bunch of bullshit. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. So now we need to start focusing on people helping. So monetarily, they need to start trying to donate money to politicians or to organizations. Right now, I would say I would I would support Dave Wanzenried. I really would. I would. Uh, I've got envelopes on my booth, and I'll be passing envelopes around all year, all next year. You know, and hopefully generate a lot of money for this guy's campaign because it's gonna. It'll go if he wins. It'll go a long way for our movement, for right. sure. Like for you said sure. at the NMGA meeting, if we can get at least one politician in there who's sympathetic, and we show that we helped get them elected, oh. help keep making sure things happen. It would be it'd be very important. It really would, you know. And uh, I think that I think he knows as well as we do. Um, if we can get our people motivated and get them to vote, we'll be. Uh, I think it'll work out pretty well. I really do. I think it'll work out for him. I hope so. Boy, I hope so. I mean, this would be groundbreaking in Montana. Yeah, definitely. You know, a Democratic governor 
that has his views and that is supportive of our industry. Because our industry is huge, man. It is huge. And I think that maybe they don't realize the hugeness, I guess. And, um, well, a lot of people are scared, and that affects our numbers that come out. No, it does, it does. But just the politicians, you think that they would just pay a little more attention. And, you know, like, if you look at the money we can generate, I mean, it's as much, it's just on par with everybody else. Maybe not energy sources, you know, but anything else that seems to make a difference in Montana, definitely. Definitely. So now you also do Kush Magazine for Montana, right? Yep. Okay, and there's several places people can pick that up around. Oh, yeah, a lot everywhere. of grocery stores, gas stations, dispensaries. They're all over well, the place. Well, not a bunch, but I've got some now. And then uh, dailybuds.com, that's the other site. That's there. the social networking mm -hmm. um, part of it. It's like a Facebook for patients. Um, it's very popular in Colorado and California, but, you know, here's something that will take a while. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to put out there, Tamara? Anything else? <laughs> Damn. No, I don't want to think about anything else. Okay. What I want to put out there is let's beat the Republicans in 2012. Let's do all we can. Let's beat the fish out of them. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you, Ed. Thank Not you. just for the interview, but for everything that you're doing and for putting on this event and traveling and being a man on the road all the time. No so, problem. Thank you. Matt from the Hotbox. I'm sitting here with Noel from what is your business? You're you're the scientist. Yeah, you're I'm, scientist Noel. I'm a, I'm a scientist. Um, I work at. I'm the lab manager for Montana Botanical Analysis in Bozeman, Montana. That's awesome. And so you guys do all of the testing. If someone wanted to know what percentages of the cannabinoids and the CBDs and all, like, what are all the different things you test for there, or you can. So our routine analysis right now is with cannabinoid profiling. We can, you know, profile up to 15 or 20 different cannabinoids. But we also have an instrument now that is letting us uh, develop our protocols for terpene analysis. And we also have a laminar flow hood and our autoclave and everything set up. And we're now digging into microbial and fungal uh, culturing so that we can give people ideas of their, you know, their total fungal counts or microbial counts. Look for potentially dangerous um, microbes or fungus and... Yeah, that's that's going to be our next step. So in the in you say you can you can test for twenty of them. We know that there's over hundred, what two hundred now? Se over over 70. seventy. Now is it that the limitation of the scientific technology, or just what the lab can afford right now, or where, where's the limitation that you can't test for all of them, or do we just not know the markers for certain ones? Um, the reason why we can't test for all of them is because. The majority of them exist in such a low concentration. You actually, we are limited by instrumentation. We need better instrumentation to be able to detect things in lower amounts. But the 15 or 20 um, that we can detect are, if they're in high enough concentrations, um, then we're able to identify them. But the the remaining, you know, if we're able to identify, say, 20 of them, the remaining 50 are generally going to be degradation products. Um, of the other ones, and so they're going to exist in very low concentrations. So it's almost, it, it kind of sounds like it's a radioactive decay process where you have something that you start here and then it decays and you have two different ones. So some of those cannabinoids start out as, say, a tetrahydrocannabinol, and that'll degrade into two different kinds, or is that is that how that works? So that's, that's really crazy. Now, do, have we determine that the ones that you can test for are the ones that everyone is interested in and the other ones are just kind of a side byproduct of or are there actual medical abilities of the the other uh, cannabinoids that we're not really because you only hear about the main ones you hear about the cbds and the thcs and stuff 
No, there's absolutely medicinal qualities of the other ones, even though they exist in low concentrations. Um, but your, your assessment of, or your analogy of radioactive decay um, is actually a very fair um, you know, analogy in this case because cannabinoids do have what we call, or what I'd like to call, a life cycle. They don't always exist in just one chemical form, but they do change depending on you know, their storage conditions, how people you know, treat them, things like that. Um, so, yeah, absolutely, there, there is a lot of um, variation in that. Um, so when people store their medicine, now I've seen some people put it in freezers. I've seen some people just, you know, put it in a baggie. Some people use the glass jars. Is there any way that'll keep degradation of the, the cannabinoids that we prefer from happening? Like, I know if, if you get them too hot, that'll start to, you know, break down. And I don't know about the other way, if there's a cold uh, up, uh, upper and lower limit. Or how would you, because you're the scientist, how would you recommend people would store their meds to make it, you know, as potent or to maintain the, the level is? Well, there's, there's no doubt that temperature um, will induce degradation of these cannabinoids into compounds that we consider to be non-desirable. So um, the, the true best way to store something like that is in a freezer. But from what I've observed through time, uh, when you store cannabis flowers in a freezer, it, it does seem to denature the plant material a little bit. It makes it very brittle. It maybe makes it a little bit less um, palatable for you know, people who really enjoy good cannabis flower. So, I mean, I would recommend store something in an airtight container in a dark room, um, possibly in a refrigerator. And in that regard, you're going to slow down any degradation. You're not going to stop it, but you're going to slow it down, and that's the best way probably to store your, your cannabis. That's interesting with the, the dark room. I, I studied a lot of mycology when I was younger, and that was the you, you wanted to keep the sunlight from happening, not because light would cause any kind of photosynthesis but because the light was kind of a direction so the the mushrooms once they would grow they saw the light and they would know which way was up so if you kept them dark they would grow but you would have this mess and the light caused this uniformity does the light is it the uv rays or what is it that's breaking down is it the plant matter itself or is it the actual chemicals that are in it the the not chemicals but the the thc and stuff like does the uv light actually radiate and break it down or yeah that's that's exactly it is um we we we, i I like to think of it just in terms of energy um you know if you have something very hot you have a lot of energy in that situation and that energy is what's going to cause the degradation or activation decarboxylation all these different you know reactions of the cannabinoids so absolutely temperature um affects that but radiation also is another form of energy so if you get you know, high energy or ultraviolet radiation uh, in contact with your cannabinoids, it's actually going to induce um, degradation, decarboxylation, all of those different effects. So I actually like to think of it in terms of energy, not necessarily heat or radiation. So is it in the same way that a, a radioact- radioactivity can cause damage to our cells, but only if it's at a strength to where it can break that molecular bond? Is that so that that bond would be lower in this plant so that it takes just a little light and it can cause that damage? Like we can handle the sunlight and stuff and not degradate too bad, but... But yeah, no, actually, that's a very, it's a very fair analogy. Again, um, the, you know, when we stand out in the sun, we don't, you know, we don't get degraded personally um, instantly. But if you stand out in the sun for a long time, you're going to exactly. get a good burn. You're going to get, you know, you're going to get something that you probably don't want. And it's the same thing with, you know, cannabinoids and light. I mean, it, it just it, scales different. Yeah, it scales right. different. The more radiation you have, the more energy you have, the more, you know, chemical transformations you're going to induce. So that, that is a very fair analogy. Interesting. All right. And to wrap it up, like you're, you've been in this for quite a while. What, what do you see with all this legislation and what do you think we should see? I've always been of the, the thought that when we have leaders and they're making decisions that govern us and what we do, if we come to a disagreement, we examine the science, we look at the evidence, and that dictates our decision. 
this is not happening in our legislative process. And it's very sad to me coming from a little bit of a science, not as much as you, but like I study this stuff and it's like, you guys have the facts. It's not the fifties when we didn't know, like we have the facts now and they're still holding on to this. And that seems like a lost cause. I don't know when you can't rely on evidence. In fact, what can you rely on? Like, where's this going to go? I wish that, I, I wish that science could help guide the, the decision-making a little bit more because at this point you have both sides of the issue cherry-picking the science that they want to use. And I would argue that the science on our side of the issue is very solid and very profound, and it absolutely supports you know, cannabis as a medicine, where I really do feel like a lot of the science that's been used by the opposition for cannabis as a medicine has been cherry-picked. It hasn't been entirely you know, properly applied. Lots of logical system. fallacies in their studies. Exactly. I think they are basing more off emotion and, and morals more so than logic and facts of science. And, and so for the future, I would really just... I would really <laughs> Appreciate a little bit more of a scientific um, a lot more. appreciation, a lot more. A lot <laughs> exactly. more, please. Exactly. Especially when it comes down, like, this is decisions that are going to dictate, like, what happens with a lot of our lives. Your business, people that are here, their businesses, you have to base it on a fact. Otherwise, we just have people going, I feel that this is not good, so therefore no one can do it. It's like, well, I feel that it is good. It, it, it just seems like a lost cause that we're just going to go in circles and circles, so... All right, well, tell us, you got uh, websites and everything that people can find you and phone numbers and all that? Sure, sure, yeah, montanabotanicalanalysis.com. Um, yeah, my email is palmer.noel, P-A-L-M-E-R dot N-O-E-L at gmail.com, and I encourage anybody to drop me a line if they want. Excellent, and if people need uh, product tested, I know, how, do, how does that work, I, real quick? Do, can you mail that, or how, do you have to physically be in person to hand it? Well, unfortunately, that's been a that that whole, I guess, um, method of exchanging cannabis has been in flux. Um, we were using the mail for a while with FedEx, so it would keep things in state lines. Because it's not a lot; it's just oh, oh no, you very need small, very small amount. Yeah, test, a half right. gram or less. Right, we, right, we can definitely do it with. So, I mean, we're absolutely working with minute amounts compared to you know the grand scheme of things. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, the mail hasn't been working for us as much lately. So now we're trying to work out um, courier services throughout the state with some of our technicians oh, cool. in the lab, so that we can just exchange things hand to hand, and we don't have to worry about anybody else. Um, not transporting our cannabis. That's excellent. Noel, thank you. Thank it's you. been a pleasure. Matt from the Hotbox, again here at the 2011 Garden City Cannabis Expo. I'm sitting now talking with Chris Lindsay, lawyer. Uh, what are you, you're here giving some talks and stuff, and you've been involved in this industry for a long time. You've been watching this legislative process. Just what are your thoughts on this? Shenanigans? What do we call this? Well, you know, what we call it is what happens when our, uh, the, our elected leaders don't actually follow the will of the people. Uh, what, what it seems to me we've got is uh, pretty consistent polling numbers that have been in support of uh, medical cannabis as a treatment alternative for Montanans. Um, as we've had it from 2004, where 62% of the population voted in favor of it, um, polls all the way up to this last Sunday, uh, really uh, showed that that, pop, that popularity is still out there, and yet we've got politicians up at the Capitol that seem to have just decided that they don't care. If, uh, if the citizens of this state want it as an option, they want to actually just prohibit it. Uh, if they can't get outright prohibition through 161, they'll do it through 423, which is uh, one of the most draconian medical marijuana bills you'll find anywhere in the country. 
Now, when our legislators make laws like this, they're usually because we have massive problems, we have death rates, we have sickness, people robbing, stuff like that. There's a cause for it. I've never, and I don't follow politics that closely until now, and I think a lot of people, this has changed it for them. I notice a lot more people are paying more attention to it. What is the driving force behind this? There's no death toll. There's no societal problems. It, it seems made up it, it just to... I don't even know why. It just it seems completely fabricated. Well, I think it's largely driven through um, culture clash. Uh, I think that... Generational difference? I think it's partly a gener- generational difference. I think partly it's that um, we've, we've had the last 18 months or so of without regulation with a, a, an ever-increasing base of patients to serve with uh, an, an industry that has not had any guidance uh, with very few concrete rules and um, you know we've asked for regulation we've asked for guidance we haven't gotten it and now their story that they're giving us is well this is just too out of control uh, the reality is that um, We've had medical marijuana through three previous legislative sessions in which there were no changes. And not now, even mentioned. Not even, not even brought up. And we've got DPHHS out there who's uh, statutorily required to be responsible for uh, this program. And they have really not quite ever stepped up to that role. And now, despite the will of the people, they're telling us that it's just too broken. We just can't possibly even manage this. And the only solution is to make it go away completely. I think it's a huge disservice to the citizens of this state. And I'm I'm really, I'm ashamed of the way that they're treating our sick. And I think we should reiterate, when you're talking about the, these majority polls, these aren't online polls. These were the votes for the legislator, for the ballots and stuff. Like, we, we see the online polls a lot, and all of those are beyond. But people are like, well, that's the Internet. Those don't really count. But And I get it, but it does show kind of a, a shade of which side the people are on. But you're talking about, like, these are legitimate polls that people are conducting. Yeah, there's there's been two scientific studies, mm-hmm. but then there's been quite a few just straw polls taken on internet sites, but they all track very, very close. We right. see pretty consistently over 60% of the population believes that there should be some form of medical cannabis available to the population, and it should be regulated. It's almost always uh, strong support for those two pieces together. Uh, And that's all that we've really asked for in the beginning. And somehow, in the course of us trying to figure out a solution in common, we have been branded the enemy. And that, that I think, is is, uh, shocking. We, we are the scourge, and I, I would say that if we're not having regulation or whatever and not having a real cut and dry, we've done okay. I haven't seen Sodom and Gomorrah breaking out and buildings burning to the ground. Well, I saw one, but who was that started by? I mean, <laughs> and it, it seems like there's no... To me, there seems like there's bigger issues right now. We have massive problems that this this can wait. We can go by with the way things have been and continue doing business and not. There's no one getting killed, like I said. They, their big argument is the mafia is getting involved. Have you seen any of that? I, 
Yeah, we're talking about mom and pop shops. We're talking about people who, time and again, have driven up to the capital to make their opinions heard. We've had, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of testimony. We've had thousands and thousands of emails and letters, and these are just going nowhere. Um, they're. Their hatred of this is really born from what they've been trained to believe through decades of drug war propaganda. Um, how many times during the legislative sessions did people talk about this being a gateway drug? And yet, how many patients out there are now cocaine users? How many patients are now meth addicts? None of them are. It, it, it is, it's fiction. And yet... In a court of law, if you're gonna if you're gonna put something out there like that, you have to be able to point to something that says, "Here's why I'm making this statement." The evidence. Here's what's the evidence exactly. for me to go that's there. That's what we were talking with. With no, we have the evidence, and they're right. going contrary to that. Right. And at these public hearings, they can lie. They can just flat out lie. And under it's, no fear of penalty, of, right. because you're not sworn in. Or right. I'm just some Joe here. Just I'm, saying I just whatever. Care. You know, I. You know. I, if we, if we did, right. What we call that's exactly right. right. Any one of us could have gotten up there and talked about how important, you know, I had a mom come and talk to me this morning. She called, she was crying on the phone, and she said, please don't take my medicine. Please tell those big bad men at the Capitol, don't. None of us were telling that kind of story, and yet that's exactly what we were getting from the other side. Right. It's, it's absurd that somehow they can actually make that work in some way. I mean, a, a good example, by the way, is after all these polls, I counted nine polls that came out that showed strong support for a regulated approach. The one poll that got traction was the Safe Communities, Safe Kids, which was the only poll that showed those numbers to be any different than what those other nine showed us. And so, but that's the one that they're going to gravitate to. It doesn't matter what the other evidence is that's out there. And like I said, it's because it's driven by uh, drug war mentality. So as people that elect these officials, how, like that can't be okay. We have to have laws made on fact and evidence, not... Um, I don't even know where they're getting it from. Xenu is a Scientology. I don't. I don't know where they're getting some of these these numbers and these these facts that they assume. But it, as people, like, what can we do? We I know we can monitor the people that are making these kind of moves for the repeal and stuff. But in law, like, what can be done about that? Well, there may be some legal claims, but I think that at the end, the only thing that's really going to become important to these politicians is when the members uh, of this community uh, form up a, an actual political movement. When, when people who care about this issue become in touch with one another, uh, are standing by when it's time to act, when they are willing to support political campaigns, when they're willing to stuff envelopes and lick stamps and get boots on the ground, when it's time to get petitions done, when it's time to canvas neighborhoods, that's what's going to give us the power that we need in order to actually make real change happen. Um, I think that that's critical because we're now in this for a fight for our survival. Uh, if we're going to take that seriously, then we've got to be able to step up and we've got to become a political force. Right. So basically, we have to play this on their game, and we have to start backing 
politicians or running within and senator wanzenried's going to be here speaking do you think that's a good a good start that's a that's exactly where we need to be we need to pay attention to the politicians who respond to what our interests are and then we need to be not only willing to stand there and clap while they're saying what we like to hear but we need to be able to go down to those offices we need to find out how we can get involved how can we help those people get what they need that's where political power comes from and then when we have real troops when we have our own minutemen who are able to respond when it's time to respond that's how we get uh, to become important standing at the microphone and talking about how sick you are makes no difference anymore right. these guys are not, not even listening when when a politician thinks listen i need to get those guys because i need someone to fill my office in missoula that's where we start to make a difference that's excellent. So we know what we need to do, definitely. And you have your own law firm. This is your business, and you support the industry, and that's excellent. Do you want to tell people where they can find your stuff online? Best way to get a hold of me is through uh, my email. That's chris, C-H-R-A-S, at Lindsay Law Office, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, lawoffice.com. Um, I also have an office phone. It's 406 214 0356. And I sure appreciate being on Hot Box. Excellent. Chris Lindsay, thank you. thank you. It's been a pleasure. Matt from the Hot Box here with Scientist Rose. Habib, how are you doing, Rose? I'm doing pretty good. Did I pronounce your last name right? You did. Awesome. You are rampant on Facebook trying to get these things happening. And what is happening? You spoke at the legislative session. How do you feel that went? Are they listening? Doesn't seem like they're listening. No. No, they are not listening. They are... Um they are almost polite long enough to listen to us testify, but they already have their minds made up. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure what we can do to change them. It seems very party-line oriented. It did seem like a lot of the testifying, it, it was, I don't want to say a waste, because it's good that people hear that. But as far as making any kind of decision change, I think that it was a waste. Because like you said, they were set before any of this happened, I think. Absolutely. I, th I think it's good and it's important that it's all part of the public record. Right. And that is why we go there to make sure that they have been told these things. They have been um, and given the information. And that's on record. And that's on the record. And that, that's part of the testimony, the public testimony. And and the, the dreamy thing is that uh, you know several people, um, Heidi with Montana Connect, she has been uh, clipping those public testimonies, those videos, and and what those what our legislators are saying uh, in those hearings once once they've been elected and they're not they're not lobbying or they're not they're not running for office. They're anymore. done buttering us all yeah, up. They're done buttering right, us they got all what up. they wanted. And then and then here's what they really think about you. Uh, is, is what they're saying in the hearings. And it's, it's highly disrespectful. It's highly degrading. It's, I've it's, heard it's, unconstitutional in some lines. Absolutely unconstitutional and inhumane. Um, very, very uh, superior, very rude. And, uh, and so your business is Cannabinalysis? Is. Which took me three or four tries to get that name down. I love that name, though. <laughs> and so you guys do testing as well? 
We do testing as well. I actually have two companies. One's Cannabis Therapeutics, uh, which which is uh, basically a uh, like a pharmaceutical sort of version, a compounding company where we Ooh, make you do the uh, extracts and stuff. We do and the extracts and make dosed, uh, precisely dosed edibles. But scientifically, you're not spewing right. butane in there and doing no, right. No, we're doing. You have uh, like I've, centrifuges and all the cool <laughs> equipment CSI I, has. I've worked in the nutraceutical industry for a few years, um, testing nutraceuticals and and in uh, a, a few other food industries, uh, and I'm using that uh, kind of food science background to create edibles that are uh, one precisely dosed, two very good for very ill people uh, in a lozenge form and a tincture form that is not really what's uh, been available. Um, in a professional, you know, professional, yeah, aspect. professional format. Right, uh, right. The, a lot of things that you can read about how to make things on the internet, but if you approach right. it as a chemist and as a food scientist, you're going to be doing this from a completely different direction. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, so those have turned out to be very, very popular, and people are very impressed with the consistency, and um, I, I think it's helping a lot. A lot of the core concepts seem like they would translate between the two disciplines. And Absolutely. do you find that, that it is a lot of the same? And Yeah, I feel it's, it's the functional reflection of, of the testing lab. Right, right. You know, it's, using, now, it's using those abilities, because I don't think you can really um, dose... I don't think you can really measure your dosage through, um, through you know measuring different kinds of, of strains and then smoking different right. strains. I don't think that you can really uh, quantify your own dosage very no, you know, knowledgeably that way. I mean, I think that you have a certain, definitely have a certain reaction right, right after you smoke. Right. You know when we have a up. good estimate. You of, have a good estimate. Exactly. You have a good estimate. But and if, I think we're lucky that this isn't something that if you get terribly overdosed, it's going to kill you. At, at anything else, you'll fall asleep, wake up, and be like, huh. Okay. Yeah. Like, if we were doing that with, say, a Dilaudid or a Hydromorphone or something, and we missed the dose by, say, 10 milligrams, yeah. you're dead now. Like dead that's now. that's And that's serious, you know, medicine here. And exactly. They're putting these stringent regulations on something to where it, it seems very unfounded. And I don't like the fact that we're making decisions not based on the evidence. And from a Absolutely. scientific standpoint, you see this. It's not killing. It's not... It is beneficial. And I, you know, when I first voted for I-148, and I, I testified to this in the in the hearing... Is it what you voted for? It is what I voted for. I Excellent. voted for it because I was tired of people uh, feeling threatened, uh, their lives being destroyed by possibly going to jail or, mm. or extended court. Um, over a victimless over, crime. Over a victimless crime yeah. that obviously is hurting no one, and and that's why I voted for I one forty eight, and I'm and I'm feel good about that. But truthfully, it was only until a year or two ago that I've gotten involved in this industry, and I've met so many sick people that I did not know that are benefiting tremendously. I had no idea that there was such a thing as medical marijuana when I voted for this, truthfully. Right, and I think a lot of people, even before 04, when other states were doing it, 99 when California did, a lot of people used that excuse that, oh, you're just trying to backdoor legalization. And it's like, well, we thought it had medical properties, but we weren't allowed to do the scientific studies to find it because of right. its scheduling. What do you think about this? the scheduling? Also ridiculous? Scheduling Unfounded? Is, is criminal. Truthfully. Criminal, right? It is Perjurous. Criminal. <laughs> criminal. And, uh, it, it's one of the, oh my it's goodness. One of the greatest, most blatant government conspiracies in our country. More than Area 51? <laughs> yeah. 
Because it's so, because it's true. It's so obvious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the documentation is there in so oh, many man. ways. I mean, we don't need a blurry photo of a UFO. I mean, is that the, like a slap in the, the face to the people? It's a slap in the face to, to science. It's for real. And, That's and, uh, and we're supposed terrible. to be using science to benefit our citizens, and, and they are ignoring science and using it to actually, to their citizens' detriment. Right. And like and we're saying, cruel. they're cherry picking. And though there's a ton yeah. of logical fallacies in all of their arguments, it... it I I don't like the fact that this is allowed to go on in the the area that is making laws that are dictating how we live. Like this is our life, and you're basing it on mist. Yeah, it's yeah, it's wow. very it's very sad. And 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 all the people that we can say had, you know, that Richard Nixon he hired a, a, a physician to right. research this and say, you know, should this be on schedule? And one? what did they find? And the, and the physician came back and said, there's absolutely no reason for this. And then what Actually, did they do with the evidence? Benefit. And Richard Nixon said, burn it. I don't care about you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he said, obviously, oh. you came up with the wrong answer, doctor. Yeah, I want a and second opinion. That's, that's not the one I wanted. And we've gotten opinions ever since, and they've yeah. all said that. Yeah. And no one listens. They that. don't listen still. They don't listen. And I, and I don't know why, and I don't, it's, it's a mystery to me. There's so many reasons, but, but it's, uh, it's criminal to me that, right. that it persists. And that's why I have such a hard time with, because if they're doing that with this, what else are they doing? Like, where does the line stop? And that's our world. Like, we live in this. Yeah. Where does it stop? You know, where does it's, it stop? And, I mean, in the scheme of things, okay, people are going to smoke regardless. I mean, that's how it's always been. And maybe this isn't something that is a life or death thing. But when it comes down to a decision that is, do we want them making the decision in that manner? Or are we looking at science and evidence and facts? Well, in addition to science and evidence, it's a social justice issue to me. Also civil, yeah. Very much so, and may not be as evident in our state because we don't have a large minority population. But in other areas of the country, that that this law uh, is being selectively enforced. And and some people get the just nod. like when it was created. See exactly, and some people get the nod, and they get to go on their merry way. And right. other people's lives are utterly destroyed, and they have a drug conviction for the rest of their lives for no good reason, and and it destroys what could have been a perfectly functional citizen yep. um, who is unable to either go to college or hold a respectable job or, or anything because this this you know misdemeanor drug conviction follows them for the rest of their life, where it was you know. It only is selectively enforced. Right. It's not being enforced across the board. We talked to a LEAP member, and he said when he was enforcing this back in the 70s, they were targeting colleges. And he he said now, in hindsight, he felt so bad because every single one of those kids, they got their life ruined yeah. with that on their record now. And because they were easy targets, and that's what they were trying to do, and that gave them the numbers that look at all these college students on dope, and it's like, well, you guys were the ones that kind of ruined their lives, not the pot. They were doing fine yeah. until you came, and now they have a felony. Absolutely, and that—I mean, how often does that happen? That's appalling. It's—it's a—it's a—it's a tragedy. A travesty. A, tra- a tragedy. A travesty of justice. <laughs> it is a tragedy for these people. Uh, whose, whose lives have been destroyed. And I think that they are, they are perfectly functional people. Yeah. They are perfectly uh, contributing members of society, and there's no reason for them to be have their lives destroyed. It's only because manner. of the label that the law puts on it, and that's Absolutely. victimless. What do we do? It seems, how do you fight 80 years of solid government brainwashing and subliminal, this is how you think, hypnotoad, we need a hypnotoad. Can you guys engineer us a hypnotoad in your science lab? (laughs) 
Oh man, I'll give you the toad. I know. So you can put the I, hypno. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how we can do it. It I seems like a lost battle, but we're fighting it. I mean, we're, we're here. We're fighting it, and maybe only because I've been involved in it in the last few years, but I certainly feel like there's been a lot of progress made in the last oh, few definitely, years. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, if I was swayed to the point of, you know, political fervor that I've somehow found myself in, um, I, I can't be the only one. And a and lot I know of people. Once I'm convinced of something. I can convince just about anybody else of it. That's how it's done. That's what my mom says. That's a mom. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's caused a lot more people to pay more attention to the politics of it. This is the most I've ever paid attention to it because this Absolutely. is something that we're in. This affects us. And, you know, and that I think it opened a lot of people's eyes to the other corruption that's going on. And now everyone's like head against the, the wall. Like, how do we fix this? It's almost so far gone. We need a complete restructuring, reformat the hard drive and, you know, start over. But how does that... Well, once we legalized it in the state uh, for medical use, um, that, that opened the door for a lot of people like me who are professionals in other industries to, to the threat of jail time is, is, um, is off of them. So they've jumped out and they've said, look what we can do to right. make this better. Um, you know, whether you know, it's accountants or lawyers or chemists or bakers or cooks, uh, whatever, whatever the they are. The electric company? <laughs> everyone benefiting. Where everyone benefits, you know, uh, you know, fits in the social structure of things and aids in our economy. A lot of these people have come out of, come out of the closet, so to speak, yeah. and have said, you know, I'm, I'm participating in this industry. And to, to take that away is... Is um, that's again just cruel? Yeah, and and not especially when you can't functional. Yeah, exactly. You know, especially when you our, our society, you can't come up with a logical reason why it just hasn't because, hurt. Just because because it's a schedule. It's the one. big bad parent. Because like, why a, am I grounded? Because I said so. Because it's a schedule one. Exactly. Well, yeah. why? Why? Well, I <laughs> <laughs> because way back in the day, <laughs> someone's. Well, because apparently Richard Nixon is their hero. Right, and know. Harry Anslinger had a problem with the darker skin people. Yeah. You know, it's and, unbelievable and that it people is, still follow it. Yeah, and it, it, it is sad. And I, I I don't think that, you know, a lot of these people, they don't believe anything else that the feds do. But this one apparently is very convincing for them. They're, yeah. they're willing to go along with this argument. That's, that's crazy. Well, I hope that, I mean, the first step was education. We did that well, and people still screamed repeal but it's a very small group but it's a little well-funded group and they have the money and apparently in lobbying it's all about money it's all about money and and i i would have to say that the the testimonies at the hearings have reached a stunning new low in i want to write a children's book and go in there and use that as my testimony (laughs) like Like, (laughs) there you go c-spot yeah exactly yeah he was fantastic he was my hero that's almost how you have to fight this now because we're not even on the same level of we're not because there's absolute you you can just come to the podium and and say whatever hysteria Uh, and there's apparently no debate and no it doesn't matter and then that's that amazing. transfers to these people who are actually doing the votes. And that, that's sad. Wow. Well, thank you, Rose. Where can people find you? You're all over the Facebook I saw. I am. Is that, do you, is that just anyone can go friend you and you're happy to follow? or I try to do you to people that I've that met you know. Okay, that's a I good have. law to, to rule by. Yeah, um, but I do a lot of... And you have a website and stuff? I and do have a website, www.cannabanalysis.com. Excellent. And, and we'll put uh, links to all this stuff in the notes, and definitely you guys can find it online. Yeah, and rose at cannabinalysis.com. Anytime you guys have a question, I am happy to help people, you know, use science to, 
to forward their, uh, you know, using cannabis more responsibly. That's great, too, because they're in this industry, there are a lot of rumors that people say, and I guess they're the urban myth things like, oh, if you smoke this, this will happen. It's good to have scientists on our side that you can fire off an email and know I'm not going to bug you and we'll get an answer back when you have time. And right. you can tell us right. yes or no, you're an idiot, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not going to charge you for my advice. Exactly. That and that's awesome to have that and that um, connection online. And, and I am willing to help people, you know, learn how to make extracts in a responsible manner. Right. Um, we don't want people lighting people butane and, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there are, there are That's no ways good. To do things. I'm perfectly happy to, you know, I'm not going to give you step by step instructions, but right. I am providing guidance. We'll write a how to on bite. I, I, <laughs> It'll be cool. I, I cannot sell that book, but uh, <laughs> I'd be happy to be a, a, you know, a guide. That's awesome. Well, thanks for your time, Rose. We appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me, man. Excellent. Hi there, everybody. Sandy from the Hotbox here, and I am sitting with Dennis, is it Gullius? Yes. All right, from Montana's for Responsible Legislation, and we're here at the Expo, so I want to go ahead and let him just kind of talk about what he does, um, you know, kind of throw in anything that you want to, and we can kind of get into a lot of the other things that have been going on also. So, right. I, I'm like, like you mentioned, I'm the MRO representative for Montana. For mm-hmm. veterans, we're trying to get their uh, rights out there and protect what they, uh, they're too afraid to come out and try and apply for a card. And when they do the treaty like second-hand citizens, second-class citizens, where, mm-hmm. they, where they have to go through a separate process than a normal person would have to go through. They have to go through the VA, and then they have to go to a normal doctor, and then they get all these stigma with them regarding uh, the fact that they are users. So they get tested, and if they show up positive, even though they know they're using, then they uh, lose their benefits. They get kicked out of housing. They get kicked out of uh, programs like a job assistance and counseling. So it's kind of a two-edged sword where both edges are hitting us at one time. Exactly. And this is honestly one of the things that it just infuriates me is that our veterans are being treated that way. I mean, it is definitely wrong in any state of the U.S. that a veteran be treated with anything other than respect, as far as I'm concerned. And putting them in a spot where they're scared isn't okay at all. Um, Have you noticed a lot more vets having issues with that since the raids happened, or has it just been the same? Definitely. uh, For the last couple of months, especially when the raids picked up, uh, the VA administration has been on the Missoula Housing Authority's uh, list to crack down because it's the Missoula Housing Authority that actually takes uh, precedence over that uh, issue about housing and also, like I said, the other counseling um, benefits that they have for the vets, uh, helping them get jobs and helping them get food and staying a, uh, a lifestyle where they won't be homeless again. So now you're actually unfortunately smack dab in the middle of this situation right now personally. Do you want to, you know, we kind of touched on it on our show a little bit before about um, the fact that, unfortunately, there is a vet in Missoula who is, you know, possibly being kicked out of his home, and that was actually you. Yes. And so now you're dealing with that currently. Can you tell us kind of what's going on and, and, I mean, how did it start and what's going on right now? Well, the Missoula Housing Authority, since we picked up on um, me advocating for the rights of veterans, have zeroed in on me because I've been the most vocal point around so they basically, as I feel, they want to shut me up. Mm-hmm. And uh, the housing authority not only uh, gar- governs veterans but also normal people in, in housing. 
and they have a separate rule where if you use, you lose your premises, which is wrong. Montana should listen to Montana voters. They voted for uh, legalizing medical use, and to have a separate entity step in and say, okay, fine, go ahead and use it, and you lose your housing. So you become homeless. So what are you going to do? You choose medication or you choose, choose to be homeless again. And to me, that's not a choice. So it shouldn't be a out. choice. No one should have to. I mean, nobody should have to make that kind of a choice between medicine and home. That, to me, just seems inhumane, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so now you're currently, you're fighting the situation with the Valor House, correct? Right. Uh, what happened is that they reissued the Valor House rules to where medical patients can't. Before, they didn't have that included, and now they, they have that, and I refuse to sign it because uh, there's some discrimination issues on there that they haven't addressed, and that's a focal point of mine as well as long, as well as service animals. Companion animals um, are another issue. But uh, because that's written in there because of me, I refuse to sign it. So now... We had we had talked before about how the VA was supposedly taking this stand that they weren't going to go after vets who were using now, medical marijuana. According to President Obama, right, right. That, that no vet should lose his benefits because he, he chooses to go with So is this marijuana. a local issue right now then, that it's happening right now in Montana, but it hasn't really spread beyond here yet? I think so because I've been so vocal in the Capitol about veterans' rights that it's focus, focused in Montana right now, but... Hopefully other vets will pick up the, the baton and start marching in their cities and letting uh, the state capitals and, and their states know that, uh, that the veterans are tired of this. Um, why should someone have to go through two separate entities to get medication and then lose what they built themselves up for? I've, I've two and a half years trying to work to get to, into this Valor House. Now I'm in it and now I can lose it because I'm finding a medication that works for me. Yeah, and that's not all right at all. Is is there anything that we can do to help? I mean, are, is there someone that maybe people could contact to just let them know that they're unhappy with this situation? Or is it kind of something where we've just kind of got to let the courts play it out? No, no, no. I think it, I think it, they're vocal to their city governments or state government. And, of course, uh, the federal government, you let them know the veterans need to be addressed. Uh, a lot of people don't understand. They think that the Veterans Administration will help them, but they're not. They're just standing by, beside it. You know, they, people have to say something. They have to email, write, or call. I'm asking everyone to do all three. Yeah. But in my instance, uh, the manager over at the Missoula Housing Authority, you should speak up not only on my, my behalf and talk to Carl, uh, speak up for the other people that live in uh, the Housing Authority properties and say this isn't right. Montana law says that they can medicate. There shouldn't be a reason why they should lose their house because mm-hmm. them, they or their children are sick because some things just don't work, and this works for a lot of people. Right, exactly. And we've also been kind of following trying to get PTSD added into our, our marijuana program. Right, and I'm one that suffers from PTSD, and, and we've discussed PTSD, a lot of people don't understand post-traumatic stress disorder, and it can happen to anybody, childhood trauma, mm-hmm. car accident, um, they had a criminal act against them. There's a lot of military people out there that haven't seen combat, but they've had training accidents, they've mm-hmm. seen things that uh, the most most people will never know about because they're saying confidentiality. Right. And that's, that's a very touchy issue because we don't want 
the federal government coming to us and saying, look at you broke your agreement, you know, you're going to go to Fort Leavenworth. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and what do you do? You go see your therapist, you break it, and they notify the VA. So well, they just come down on you. So. And the military, I think, is one of those areas where PTSD is, I mean, I I know more people who don't have it that have been in the military than, mm-hmm. I mean, a, a lot of people have PTSD. And like you said, it's for a lot of reasons, even pressure of thinking you might be going somewhere or having to keep people's lives in order because... That's what you do. You know, um, do you do you see anything beneficial coming from... I mean, are we in a spot now where maybe the vets will hopefully be getting help soon? Or have the people you've been talking to seem very just stonewalled and we're just going to stand by not letting you have it? Well, communication is the key and that's what you're doing with the show. Right. So, so we need to let the vets come out and say, don't be scared, don't be afraid. Because when you go through the military, they teach you if you complain, you're a wuss. Yeah. You have to eat it up. Right. And that's men and women. Mm-hmm. So when they come back, they don't want to talk about their problems. So what's that do? It affects their marriages. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they end up in divorce or, or eat child neglect. Uh, these people, they need help and they don't know how to go about it. Mm-hmm. Except for talk to a therapist. Talking's talking. That's great. But you need some time of medication. Right. And one that doesn't have a side effect that, uh, that's going to either kill you or further down the road put you in a mental hospital and that's where a lot of these vets end up in a mental hospital i I have ptsd and i ended up in sheridan wyoming Mm -hmm. three months you know being there when all i really needed was someone to understand my medical need and address the issue so when i came to missoula i found someone who was able to do that right and my life has changed around but with all this trouble with the missoula housing authority they just gained back uh, the the depression and the anxiety that i fought so long to get rid of so um, one of the things then that we should really try conveying is that, you know, veterans need to see that there's strength in the numbers and that if everyone speaks out together, you won't be alone trying right. to speak United out about it. United we stand, divided we fall. And, and right. the thing is, first, to, to find someone who will listen to you. Right. And, and also that will direct you in the right way. Right. And, and believe me, the VA is not quite there yet. So now if there's any veterans out there who do want to try to help or they do want to try to speak out, who should they contact? Maybe, I mean, like, is there someone with Montana, like, can they get a hold of you if they're just looking for information on what they, I mean, who they can talk to and what they should do as a vet to help stand up? Yeah, MRL has a website they can come. I I am the veterans rep for Montana. They can come talk to me or Doug Shiat. And we'll be more than happy to direct you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. We're not attorneys. Uh, we're not doctors. We can't ad- address your specific needs, but we do understand. Right, exactly. And that's a big part of it is feeling like you're with people who understand you're and can be supportive. Out there, guys, or girls. You know, <laughs> we're all in this together. You right. Know, you did things that probably people will never find out about. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is to let you know that we're there for you. Mm-hmm. There's people out there fighting to try to help. Yes. Definitely. Well, thank you very much. Thank I really you. appreciate your time. And, you know, um, thank you for what you're doing also, especially for appreciate the vets. Thank you. And I'm very sorry that you're going through the situation. I hope that right. things pan out. And I've, I've been trying to contact people. I've been doing research on the Valor House and 
who's who and what's what. And I've been trying to get information out there about just how disgusted I am that how they're treating the vets. Well, and if everyone will take the opportunity to call in, talk to Carl at the Missoula Housing Authority, and tell them how you feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, exactly how you feel. Uh, they are a nonprofit or supposed to be a nonprofit. And uh, a lot of people don't understand that if you speak up and you voice your opinion, you did your share. Yeah. So do your share. Give them a call and let them know how you feel. I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but let you know how you feel, not only about myself or the other vets, but also about the other people that are in the housing authority that have kids, that are on disability, that don't have a lot of money, and that's the only place they can go. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, thank you, and um, we'll definitely be keeping up with you and what you're doing. All right? All right. All right. Thank Thank you. you. Hey there, Sandy here from the Hotbox, and I am sitting here with Mimi, who is a volunteer with Montanans for Responsible Legislation. How are you today, Mimi? I'm all right. All righty. Um, so now, do you want to maybe just kind of tell us what you what you do for Montanans for Responsible Legislation right now, or what you're going to be doing soon? Or uh, Yeah, actually, um, I'm from Ohio, mm-hmm. and I moved out to Montana because Ohio is not a legal medical marijuana state, and I have a rare medical condition that every surgical and medical treatment has been tried for that is known to hospitals, and none of it has worked, but consuming medical cannabis does work, so I came out here to mm-hmm. to do that I contacted Montanans for responsible legislation and told them my story and they said that there may be some volunteer opportunities and that I should come out here and get my card. Definitely. Do you mind um, telling us about the, your medical situation at all? Yeah, it's, it's called achalasia. It's an esophageal motility disorder, which involves the smooth muscle tissue in the esophagus, basically pushing food away from your stomach instead of toward it. So. Oh, wow. Okay. And how long have you, is this something that you've dealt with since you were born, or is it something that happened later on in life? I, I was diagnosed in October of 2008. Okay. And so now you've been dealing with this since then, and like you said, you're from Ohio, which is in a medical state. Um, have you had, I mean... You've been using cannabis for it, correct? Yes. And you've definitely noticed a change. It helps you in every facet, or is there certain things that you find that it's more beneficial for? I find that it definitely helps me keep food down. It definitely helps with the the relaxation and... Mm-hmm. And the pain associated yeah. with it. Yeah, so. I have I have a digestive problem, not yours at all. I'm not even close. But I mean, I have a problem with I just don't eat. My body doesn't like eating. I don't like food, mm-hmm. and and yeah, I can relate totally. Cannabis definitely helps with the hunger. Definitely helps with the pain. Absolutely, and you know, I have pre-existing medical conditions, so I can't get insurance and. I was just tired of not being able to work, being sick all the time, being a drain on society and being a drain on all my friends and everything, and Mm -hmm. I just needed to do something with my life, so I moved out here to get the one medication that actually works for me. How long have you been out here in Montana now? One week. One week? Holy cow, what do you think? I like it so far. So far? Yeah. Yeah. The people are really cool, and everyone seems really helpful, and... And so now our, um... 
what uh, what exactly are you going to be like? Is there a certain goal that you have with working with Montanans for responsible legislation? Like, I know Dennis works a lot with the vets and everything. Um, is there a certain area you may be focusing on, or are you just going to kind of do everything? Uh, what I'm what I'm really standing 100% behind is national legalization mm-hmm. and federal law not interfering in state politics. Period. Mm-hmm. Because it should be my choice what medication I put into my body, period. I shouldn't have to justify that to anyone. And you shouldn't have to move, you know, hundreds and hundreds of miles from your home to get a medication that you know will help you just because it's federally illegal. Right. I, that, to me, is just lunacy that you you had to do that. I mean, I'm glad you're in the state. It is a beautiful state. I hope you enjoy being... I've been here my whole life, yeah. four generations back. Cool. So, you know, it's definitely a great place to live. And, you know, um, I hope that, you know, things definitely help, you know, get rolling for you and that that you see those benefits that you moved here for, definitely. Definitely, I'm hoping so. Yeah. Well, thank you for, you know, everything that you're doing. Um, is there um, is there anything else that maybe you want to bring up for people to kind of know about? Um, just, you know, how many, how many people that medical marijuana actually works for. It's just there are conditions that haven't been researched yet, and there are tests that haven't been done and, you know, proof out there that it actually does work as medication and it should be recognized as medication. It shouldn't be classified as a Schedule One narcotic substance mm-hmm. anymore. Exactly. It's not right. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you very much for talking to me and everything. I really appreciate it. And I hope that, you know, we can get you back here, um, that we can, well, that we can speak with you again here soon and just kind of get an update on how things are going here in Montana and everything. And, you know, anything that you've got going on with Montanans for Responsible Legislation or personally that you want to let us know about, please let us know. Definitely. We would love to help you out. So Sounds great. Thank yeah. You. Thank you for sharing your story. Definitely. All right. All right. Sandy from the Hot Box again, and I am sitting here with Mr. Doug Shyatt. I'm sure that you all remember from the documentary where we went to the uh, rally in Missoula. We spoke with you a little bit after uh, after everything was kind of done and got your take on the raids and kind of how things are going and what we need to do. So we're here at the Garden City Expo, and I would just like to maybe get an update from you about you know the Montanans for Responsible Legislation and kind of what people need to do and how it's going. Sure. Well, you know, again, thanks for the intro. I'm Doug Shiat from uh, Montanans for Responsible Legislation. Uh, we're one of the uh, uh, patient advocacy groups working in Helena this year, uh, as well as in the streets across Montana. Uh, you know, my, my message, I think, if anything, today would be uh, prepare for nullification. Be ready to nullify any act of the legislature if it does become law at this point. Uh, there's a compelling soundbite that came out from Schweitzer last night indicating he may, even at this point, still veto 423. He doesn't think it's a workable, realistic approach uh, to, to regulating medical marijuana in Montana. So there's a, a glimmer of hope in that regard. But but, but I think even if uh, 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 the Democrats were successful in reviving House Bill 68, that'd still be something we don't want. So I'd be prepared to, to nullify any legislative act. Yes, definitely. And so now is the time for all of us to band together, work together, and try to help get things going, especially by, you know, supporting um, politicians like like Wanzenreen. Sure. I mean, he is a definite positive step, I think, mm-hmm. 
in a good direction for us. Um, what do you think? I, you know, it, it's compelling. It's fascinating to me that, that uh, Dave Wansenried uh, announces his, his bid for governor and then his first campaign stop is the Garden City uh, Cannabis Expo. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that, that says a lot about uh, the legitimacy of this political movement and, and almost the... the uh, 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 the authority that, that, that we hold, that, that uh, it's, a, it's a club of populism. Uh, and I think elected officials are starting to understand that. They're starting to realize that, that there is a level of organization here and that people are passionate about this issue. And uh, it won't pay next election cycle to ignore the Green vote. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So now, what direction do people need to go in? I mean, you know, definitely emailing, mm-hmm. calling, you know, um, now are is there organizations out there that people can volunteer to help to make sure that it's going forward? Sure. Well, uh, right now, Montanans for Responsible Legislation is picking up uh, volunteers in anticipation of a signature gathering drive. Uh, the nice thing about the dispensary system in Montana is that it's almost a, a political infrastructure to run any sort of signature gathering drive that we do need. Uh, but we will need, you know, that boots on the ground activism. We will need volunteers in the street gathering signatures as well. So you can contact MRL uh, through Facebook or uh, via email at responsiblemontanans at gmail.com, or you're always free to give us a call at 406-285-1034. And, you know, this is uh, potentially volunteering in anticipation of running a nullification campaign uh, if it need be. Mm -hmm. All right. And now... 161, we're sure he's going to veto. 423, he might veto. Are there any other bills out there that we might want to be paying attention to outside of those two big ones? Well, nothing's for sure at this point. And and, uh, uh, Governor Schweitzer uh, is is known for, number one, his presidential ambitions, and number two, his image of not bowing to special interest groups. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think that... uh, 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 you know, nothing is set in stone at this point. Uh, there have been public statements that indicate the governor would veto 161, would veto 423. Uh, legislation beyond that would be uh, Siegler's bill to put to repeal back to the voters. I think it's 175, uh, which looks like it's going to clear both chambers and probably uh, pass into to statute where we put uh, the, the issue of repealing the Medical Marijuana Act back to the voters uh, in the 2012 election cycle. Uh, and then there's still House Bill 68 uh, that, that uh, everyone needs to kind of keep an eye on and re- read back up on, and that uh, was the original uh, workgroup bill that came out of last summer's sessions uh, chaired by Diane Sands. It involves a dual diagnosis for chronic pain patients. It excludes probationers and parolees from using medical marijuana and repeals the affirmative defense. Uh, and it's kind of... Uh, it's kind of being packaged as a friendlier regulatory bill at this point, whereas uh, uh, at the beginning of this legislative session, we saw it as very nasty. So, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't uh, play into the smoke and mirrors political game. Uh, House Bill 68 really isn't in the best interest of the industry, and I wouldn't uh, be willing to accept that in lieu of 423. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, House Bill 68 and 175 are, are, are two that are still active. Uh, All right. So we're kind of just in this waiting game right now, unfortunately. Um you know, we're going to hopefully things will work out the way we need them to. Um, we are going to keep reminding people to get involved. You know, we've all got to stand up and say something or else everything will fall apart. Um, is there anything else that you would like to maybe add um, that you want people to kind of know and maybe remember when they're thinking about what they should be doing? Well, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. Uh, at heart and at the end of the day, this is a unity movement, uh, and it's going to take the, 
cannabis consumers, aficionados, states' rights folks, uh, civil libertarians standing together uh, saying this isn't exclusively a marijuana issue. This is an issue of uh, constitutional rights, uh, God-given liberties, and what it means to be an American. if we're successful in always keeping in our mind that this is a unity movement and that you know our, our brothers in the trenches are, are fighting the same battle we are against a common enemy, I think at the end of the day we'll win. Uh, if we fall victim to, to uh, the infighting, uh, which we saw happen over the past year, we're, we're going to end up stalling in progress uh, yet again. So stay united and remember uh, that the common em- enemy is federal prohibition here. And until we resolve that, uh, we're all in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you very much for sitting down and talking to me again. Thank you. And we will be talking to you again soon. Awesome. All right. Thanks. See you later. Matt from the Hotbox. Ed, how are you doing, Ed? Hi. Good to meet you again. Uh, You're here, the Cannabis Expo, where uh, everyone's getting ready to kind of pack up, though. Uh, What are you doing here? You taught some classes. How did that go? The classes went really well. They uh, weren't well attended because... uh, of the scare that's going on here, but on the other hand, the people who uh, did attend, and that was uh, over 50 people, they uh, they enjoyed the classes. They got a lot out of it, it looked like. That was yeah. good. Did, it, you travel all over the place. You teach at Oaksterdam University. Is is it like this everywhere? Because we know raids happen everywhere and stuff like that. It, it, is it more pronounced here because it just happened, or...? You know, these things are happening all over the country, and right. I think they're coordinated by the Department of Justice, so the DOJ. They all kind of happen yeah. at the same yeah. time frame. Well, they're all happening. It's continuously happening. And Obama put in a new person as head of the DEA who has a special uh, hatred of marijuana and said she's going to continue this policy. Which is kind of to the contrary of the memo everyone kind of took to mean that we can be out and not worry about it and all that. You know, it's good that you put it that way when you say took to mean, because when you uh, read the memo, it said that, look, look, fellows, we would appreciate it if you didn't go bust these people, but if you do, it's okay. And they can't use this memo to, uh, to uh, as a defense, in their defense. Right. It's They basically just kind of put out a vague statement, and everyone interpreted it their particular way. Some some of them took it to mean everything is free-for-all. Some of it said, you know, we have to still be careful and federally, you know. Exactly, and uh, they meant it to be ambiguous. Anytime that Obama wants, he could just stop these raids. He's in control of the Department of Justice. It's not far-fetched to think. So what I don't understand is why he would do something like this to his constituency, the very people who put him into office. And he seems to be abandoning, uh, you know, his former constituencies and trying to move and develop new ones. What can be done about that? Just I, not re-election? Well, the, that, the problem with that is uh, what's the alternative? And he knows that. Exactly. But, the lesser of the two other evils. Hand, a lot of people will just say, well, you know, I don't, uh, I'm not going to vote for anybody who wants to put me in jail. And that's the way I feel about it. So last time I voted black, but not for Barack. I voted for Cynthia McKinney of the Green Party. And I, I you know, so I don't feel bad about my vote. My, mine was, anybody who voted for Obama last time, it was a wasted vote. Right. On the other hand, Cynthia McKinney, even though she didn't get many votes, she stood for something. Yeah. 
And if other other voters would have maybe went that way, it would have been more of a. And they know that too because a lot of what I hear is, well, they're both bad, so I'm not going to vote at all. And I think they like that because that lowers the overall average down, so the people that do go out and vote, you know, it, it's it's in their pocket. Yeah, the uh, the quality the quality of the candidates uh, has sunk to new lows. Now, I'm not saying that Obama isn't a brilliant person and uh, doesn't have a, a lot of uh, strategy and things, but. You know, uh, he came out of uh, uh, doing community work, and now he just allows a lot of this stuff to go on. Just, uh, it, it would be very disappointing if I had voted for him. Right. So we have the Green Party, we have your Republicans, we have your Democrats, and then we have the Party Party. Yes. Well, Tell us about the Party Party, Ed. Well, the Party Party doesn't exist yet. Well, it's, but on the other hand, you know, once once it's an idea, if something's an idea, it exists. And the the idea behind this is that I might be forced to go, to uh, put my put myself up for nomination by the party party, uh, just uh, to change foreign policy and uh, foreign policy and internal policy. First of all, there'd be uh, there'd be a change in a lot of policies and. Did you know that the United States, for instance, has bases in 80 different countries? So, We're everywhere. So I thought, you know what? Uh, some of those countries don't really want the bases. And <laughs> Most even they, of Even if they don't want the base, and even if they do want the bases, right. uh, like let them deal with their affairs. I mean, they don't need us for protection, and it just stops them from becoming totally free and independent and sovereign. Right. And then... But we should be, and I, I, you know, Obama is the biggest arms seller in the world. Did you know that? Because the United States is the biggest arms seller in the world, and he represents arms and drugs. Country. Right. We sell so, everything. It's so, cool. So, what I, what I thought is that we would stop selling arms to all over the world, and instead we would concentrate on renewable energy. Yeah. And, and other research, because we have these great scientists working on <clears throat> war. And if we got out of all these countries, even if there were wars, we wouldn't have to be involved in them. We don't, nobody, I don't remember ever voting to become the uh, top cop of the world. So that's another Do you thing know how, may, how much resources that takes to oh. maintain that quo there, that, that overall just... We own and have a say in everything. Yeah, well, and our backyard is kind of a mess right now. Well, we're going broke. Right, yeah, we've been. Thing, right? We're going <laughs> yeah, broke. we're That's broke. One thing, and the other thing is we're uh, we're losing uh, our uh, our edge in a lot of technologies. We have no consumer electronics industry, uh, and uh, we're dependent upon other uh, countries for, for all of our. You know, for all of our manufacturers, even the car manufacturers, yep. they, they're going to have problems because Japan can't supply certain parts. Well, you know, I was in <coughs> India, and in India, they have a, a domestic car manufacturing industry that makes all its own parts. Right. So I think that we have to get back to consumer manufacturing and be- making products that will better the world rather than products of destruction. Yeah. And... Uh, I would change, you know. I would change a lot of, a lot of uh, other policies as well, in terms of domestic spending and 
you know, one of the things that the party part I have as a party party uh, platform uh, is uh, to have a week a weekly concert. That's fifty two concerts a year, each one in a different city. And do you remember? Uh, I don't know if you remember Obama's inaugural concert. Mm-hmm. And you sure. Know, that was a pretty incredible with all those people. And each week, there'd be a concert in a different major city. And, you know, over the four-year period, that's 200 concerts in 200 cities. Right. And the, I mean that as a means of getting cities uh, to uh, reinvigorate cities because you'd be, we'd be hiring local artists for, and we'd be hiring local construction people and local designers. And Make it all self-sufficient. Everything would be local. I mean, there might be some stars that come in from outside, but a lot of the concert, the, the concerts and performances and other performances that are associated with it. So, you know, in, in the, uh, week, in the uh, weekend that the concerts are given, there'd be, con- there'd be art exhibitions and, you know. Right, a whole cultural a whole cult- epicenter. That's of- right. And so, That's good. So for a couple of hundred million... That would generate a lot of income for uh, everyone and the city. It, not only for the city and not only, uh, not only for the city, but here's another thing that it would do. This would be the cultural epicenter of the world with these concerts. Each week the world would get treated to these concerts and it would be very, very effective. So... Uh, that's that's part of it, and you know, of course, there's, there big be, there would be big parties associated with that, and uh, and it would be be a totally new source of income for America, and it would be distributed throughout the country. In, you know, here in Montana, there would be there would definitely be one, you know, one here. Yeah, you could do one, it everywhere. There, there, you could do there, one in each state, and then two. That somewhere there, there in has, between there has to be one in each state and then uh you know but we want to see it in big cities and in small and smaller cities the city has to have enough infrastructure to handle it so you can't right. do it we have internet and time. wi-fi i think but, that should be a but, good but what i meant by infrastructure you know people will want right. to come in so they have to have enough motel and hotel space and things like that and enough technical necessity base. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. But but I could see it happening all over America and I think it would be really great. And it's a lot better than sending troops out. Yeah. And the other thing is, <laughs> that I, it is. I do believe in foreign aid and you know we people think that we give a big portion of our our uh, budget to foreign aid but it's it's less than 1%. But even with that, I would change foreign aid no more aid for weapons. There'd be no more military foreign aid. If, if countries want to arm themselves, all those other countries, they can kill each other. You know, we have two big oceans, and we have two uh, compliant, friendly neighbors. So, I mean, we have a border problem with Mexico, but it's not with the government. You know, it's with bandits. Right. So, so uh, w- there's nobody that wants to attack us. And the we don't, the only way we get into these scraps is when we go adventure in an adventurous way and go overseas and won't go and kill people. So, do you think if we never would have went over there that there wouldn't be this made up terrorist? I mean, it's there, but it's not as in your face as they would like you to think. Would any of that have happened in the first place? I mean, 
people say you need to be able to defend yourself, and unless we can get to the part of uh, ancients from Stargate and build shield technologies, which we could if we weren't focusing on building, you know, destructive technologies, well, we build well, defensive. We, well, if but, we, well, I, I don't think Star Wars will ever uh, that kind of technology ever worked. I don't think it ever will. But here's the thing: the reason why uh, the terrorists went after us was because of uh, our support of. Uh, uh, you know of uh, our interfering in their country, and in the first place yeah, and if, with if, oil. If we got out of if we got out of Afghanistan and if we got out of Iraq, those those countries they wouldn't follow us. They don't they don't care about us. Do you think they that can be fixed now, though? Because we already have been in, and so if they see us say disarm everything or whatever like that, then that will give them an in to to what do whatever they want here. Here? To have free reign? Right. Here? Here. What? You, Take a plane they, and get here. How would they tell them why? Why? They have no interest in the United States. They only have an interest in their own country. They only, like the like the World Trade Center bombing, they just, to them, that was an epicenter of everything that was happening to their country. So but they, that's what I'm saying, because it already happened. Like, we yeah, can't but, go back in time well, and well, make if it. We get out. If we get out, they, you think they, they they'd have to they'd have to go trail us. Okay. You know, it's like, did you ever see two dogs fighting, and one dog just goes past the other person, dogs right, and, and yeah, leaves, and the other dog doesn't necessarily chase it. Okay. They chase it for about a quarter block, and then right. it goes back to its territory. Yeah, so that's a good point. It, you know, the Chinese, look what the Chinese are doing. They they have what's called soccer stadium diplomacy. And what they do is they go, they're all over Africa. And what they do is they build some roads, a dam, a soccer stadium. They just do positive stuff. But it's not super stuff. It's not with the IMF. And it's not right, like right. That. And then they just give it to the country. And so, you know, when people say, look what China built for us, they don't say, oh, these are the arms the U.S. gave us. <laughs> right, right. So yeah. I would go into that. And any country that doesn't want our aid... You don't have to have it. There you go. I think it by doing those concerts, though, you, you could drum up quite a bit of support. And I think the other thing is, uh, you know, when these co companies go overseas or move jobs overseas, well, they have a right to do that, but we have a ta right to tax them for the loss of the job that they're giving. Yeah, them. that that should be so, huge, so for I sure. I think it should be a minimum of $100,000 per employee who loses a job. So if, there you go. So if a company moves a section of the country, company overseas, let's say 100 employees, you know, then they're going to be giving $10 million. And also, they cannot move the – I won't – they should not be allowed to move the plant overseas. And the employees should have the right to uh, form a co-op to buy it at, at an assessed – so it doesn't give any company – an advantage to move overseas. Right. It, it levels the playing yeah. field. Yeah. Well, yes. that's some good ideas, man. I think we stick with them, and you, you turn that into more than an idea. And, uh, well, I'm still doing the exploratory. Right, right. I mean, uh, Early uh, stages, uh, yes. not 2012 or that's nothing, right? right? Because, you know, what... Here, <laughs> what do you think of Wanzen Reed for uh, well, well, the here, governorship uh, here? Well, I think he had some pretty good ideas. Yeah. But here's the thing. I have to get federal matching funds. So I'm going to see how that's going to be done and see if people are willing to put up matching funds right. so I can get into the debate. Because to begin only, with. To and begin then, with. Right, yeah. And if we can do that, 
then I then I would uh, drop other things and just uh, run for president. You would do it if that yeah. happened. Yes. Well, there you so, go. So um, that's why I'm starting out early to right. make this into a realistic is a realistic thing. And you know what? I would appreciate anybody who sees this on my blog, you know, to send it out to viral it to see how we can do, how we can right do it use the networks and yes, get it out there. That's right. So I really appreciate that. And uh, I appreciate you what you're doing because it's so important to have communication outside of the big five. Yeah, uh, definitely. That companies. that's the idea. And, and Keep you know, it. You know uh, what's what what we're doing and what the media like yours is doing is keeping the word out and you know getting getting a realistic assessment of what's really going on right. in the United States. We're trying so to bring really it down good. to everyone's level. Yes. Well, it's not that. It's that you know I don't. I think that people are really intelligent and they're hungry for news. Yeah, it's definitely. They, they get, get a weird spin so on much, it from there's, there's so much propaganda in yeah. the United States, and you know it, 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 it's so interesting when I go out of the United States and I watch the news out of the United States. It's not like I'm in a different continent. It's like I'm on a, in a different world. It's, diff- it's crazy because they're reporting on the same things, but they have such a different slant on it. Yeah, and Americans are so brainwashed because the three networks and even. You know, you know the four networks, and, and it's e- basically a monopoly. I mean, come on. If you trace it back to whoever owns, I mean, Murdoch well, owns these, one half, and the other guy owns the other but, half. Well, and the, but the the four networks between them, they have a very narrow spectrum, and then yeah. you, then you get to the other the uh, to the other uh, countries, and there's a much broader spectrum of news. So. Right, and even with what Al Jazeera was doing with all the Egypt coverage and stuff, it's it's still a media, but it's it's in the people more. It's well, it's not. I don't know. It, it's a different form, definitely. Yeah. But so, well, so, thanks for talking to okay, us, Ed I Rosenthal. Really appreciate we appreciate it. Thank it. you so much. Thank you for having me.